Good morning, good afternoon, and good night to all of our friends around the world. This is Purple Suede coming at you live with my good buddy, Style Pigeon. And we are here for season two of Gingerly. Happy New Year, my friend. How you doing? I'm doing fantastic. I'm so excited about the new season. Um, I can't wait to get started with this episode. I'm so excited that we get to talk about the basics again. <laughs> yeah, so today we're going back to basics. Um, we're, this is episode nine, so season two, episode nine. Uh, we're going to be beginning with Bitcoin. So if you're brand new to Bitcoin um, or if you have friends that are brand new to Bitcoin, which is all of us, uh, we want this conversation to be something where you can take away and feel like I feel empowered to be able to either go buy my first bit of Bitcoin or have a conversation with my buddy about getting them into Bitcoin. So before we dive in, uh, I do want to give a shout out to our sponsor, uh, Roundly X. So we are sponsored by the Roundly X app. It's a simple to use app that allows you to round up your everyday purchases into Bitcoin and other digital assets with your spare change automatically. This set it and forget it dollar cost averaging tool helps you build wealth safely and conveniently over time. And it helped me pay off my Subaru in a time of financial stress uh, during the bear market, last bear market actually. You can sign up with code gingerly as you can see on the screen here and you can get four dollars of bitcoin after your first roundup so if you don't have any bitcoin right now here's a really easy way to get some for free and if you're outside of the united states watching this uh, you can actually sign up for the roundly x app and use our portfolio tracker to track all of your crypto nfts all your investments in one handy dandy portfolio in your national currency uh pretty cool uh big thanks to them for sponsoring the show wouldn't be possible without them and the awesome graphics that we have uh, so without further delay, let's dive in. Season two, here we come, beginning with Bitcoin. Nick, roll the video, please. Awesome, awesome. Well, happy new year again, my friend. I'm uh, I'm super stoked to be in 2023 and being able to be on the show and talk about Bitcoin. Um, this is going to be great. Yeah, it's been a crazy couple of years. I'm actually glad that we're in the uh, the, the big two, three now. Um, hopefully this one's going to be a, a little bit different. I know I'm going to do some things to try and make it different. You know, we grow, we DCA our health and our knowledge and we go from there. So let's let's get back to the knowledge part of that equation. Yeah, man, for sure. So like I said before uh, the intro, the purpose of today's conversation is going to be just ultra Bitcoin basics. So either you don't currently have any Bitcoin and you're like, these ginger guys are going to introduce me to, you know, my my first bit of Bitcoin. Uh, and that's the reason for the show, by the way. I just want to mention that for season two kicking off gingerly. We're gingerly introducing people uh, to topics about Bitcoin and crypto. And today we do want to just ease in. You know, it's not going to be anything ultra complicated. We're going to go over some questions that you should be asking yourself, maybe questions that if you already know about Bitcoin, you can be asking your friend, help them think. Um, and so like, yeah, I guess let's just kick off with that sort of thing. How do you know if you're a Bitcoiner, uh, Mr. Pigeon? That's like, a, yeah, kick us off. <laughs> well, so, <clears throat> I, you know, I like to stick to sort of anecdotal stuff or not anecdotal evidence. I mean, just the real life stories that. I hear that bring brought me into Bitcoin and uh, hearing, you know, your experience with Bitcoin and your whole uh, journey into this, because it's a weird thing, right? Like we can talk about Bitcoin all the time and I still end up running into people who, when I'm, the funniest thing to me is at work, right? Is somebody will be like, oh, inflation's such a pain or uh, something about the economy. And I'm like, well, that's why you should buy Bitcoin. 
and there's always this like record scratch moment where they're like, oh, you're one of those people. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, actually I am. Um, but here, let me try and explain a little bit of, about why. And that's about half of my reason for being on the show is uh, to more concretely understand why and kind of be the the dumb dumb in the room asking the questions that nobody else has thought to ask because you all have been in it for so long. Um, yeah. And and that's why we're gingerly introducing us to or everyone to this. So my interest in Bitcoin really started to blossom, I guess you could say, when I started to learn a little bit more about traditional finance. Uh, and it was something that had been bothering me for a while, because every time somebody explains the traditional finance system to me, I, I get kind of confused. But the reason that I get confused is not because I'm incompetent or anything. I understand the words that they're saying. It just doesn't make sense to me to run it that way. And so I always have these questions. I'm like, right, but why, like, why would your government borrow money at a rate that they could never pay back because they have to borrow more money in order to pay back that interest to the central banking system? And people are like, you know, shut up. That's just how it works. Uh, <laughs> And, and I don't think it has to work that way all the time. And that's why I'm so excited about this new technology. So what are, in your mind, some of the major questions to ask? Uh, maybe if somebody's out there going, I, I've heard about this Bitcoin thing, and it sounds like maybe it's something I should at least be paying attention to. Um, what are the big questions to ask to know whether you should be paying attention to it or not? Yeah, no, awesome, awesome question. I think you actually highlighted one of the big things, um, which is inflation. You know, like I hear, so I work full time in crypto and um, even backing up just a little bit, I think, you know, you mentioned like it's good for you to be on the show to ask the dumb, dumb questions. But what it really is, is you're here on the show to help remind me who's been in the industry for so long, like I do marketing for a living. It's, it's to remind me, here are the questions that I need to be thinking about, that beginners are thinking about, right? Because those are the people that we want to market to. Like Roundly X, our sponsors, they're made for the people that just want to kind of turn on some solution and just be able to save. But we don't want people to just dive in without all, any kind of mindfulness, mindfulness at all. We want to ask questions that lead them to want to invest or save in Bitcoin um, for like the long term, right? This isn't just some get rich quick scheme. And so if you're here listening... I really do hope that you take away with some of these questions we're about to overview and think, oh, like I'm not just trying to, you know, make a thousand X gain here. I'm going to actually try and prepare myself financially for the future. Um, and so inflation is is something that I would say is a big thing that everyone talks about. Like it's you go to the grocery store and you get a little hand basket worth of groceries and that's worth $100 all of a sudden. Whereas three years ago, you know, $100 would get you like a grocery cart, like a full right. buggy or whatever you want to call it. So everyone knows about inflation and um, they talk about it, but I don't think everyone knows really what that is and, and how it works and why that matters. Right. Mm -hmm. They just know that, well, now all of a sudden stuff is more expensive. Like my money doesn't get me as much as it used to. Um, and an easy way to point back to that is like, well, who controls your money? You know, like, is it, is it you? Are you the person that controls what your money is worth. And I think now the answer is pretty obvious. The government has showed us that that's, we don't control our money. They do. Right. Um, yeah. And then who you have to ask yourself, who is they, right. We're going to, you want to say something? Sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. No, that's okay. That's okay. You're, you're rolling and I'm going to let you keep rolling. Um, I just, it's, it's interesting to watch the things that are happening um, that are, I'm reminded of the old, 
uh, curse. May you live in interesting times. Um, I think we're in interesting times and I hate yeah. to say it, but things are uh, changing. And it's the, what, what drives me crazy is that everyone seems to have this intuition that things are a little bit shaky mm -hmm. just in society right now, right? Like with COVID and all of that craziness and all of the stuff that's happening in our culture that's changing very rapidly makes us feel like we're not really on solid ground. And right. so while we have this long laundry list of things to worry about, one of the things you definitely want to have locked down is where your money is and, and what it's doing, because that's your that's your life raft, right? I mean, you have to have currency to get by in this world. I mean, you don't have to if you live in some remote village or something, but you kind of do. The most, I, mean, I mean, yeah, you're still trading value for value, right? No matter what you're doing. So, what's the best way to do that? And and that's that's what's always driven me nuts about society in general is there seem to be a lot of people who forget or neglect to answer the question, like, what are we really trying to accomplish here? Um, and, and focusing on like, how do we figure out the best way to actually run things? And yeah. I, I very rarely see that question asked scientifically. It's more from an emotional standpoint where it's like, no, I want to run things the way that I want to run things. That's best for me specifically, but I, I would like to see things pan out in a way where everyone's a little bit more conscious of the effect on society at all, uh, or mm -hmm. at large. And right. so that's, that's why we're making sure to ask these questions. Do you know why your money has value? Yeah. Do you know what your money is? I mean, those are um, good questions. Most people don't take the time to think about that, you know? Um, and so I think taking one step back, like it's really an easy way to think about money is how do you get your money, right? You put in, you put in time, you put in work and you work for somebody or you work for yourself and then you get this currency in exchange. So my question to the people watching is, do you want your hours worth of work or your 40 hours worth of work to be worth the same next year as it is right now? And most people would say, no, I want it to be worth more, <laughs> right? Like I want my yeah, work to 100%. be more valuable next year than it is right now. But the sad reality is the way that our current currency is set up, the people who are in control of it, are manipulating it to the point where your work is not worth the same next year. And it may not even be worth the same this next month because unelected officials are taking your monetary supply and they're adding tons and tons and tons of, uh, of supply and demand isn't going anywhere. And so if you think about it from a basic like economic perspective, right? Like more supply equals less value. It's that easy. So, yeah, so wait, wait, hang on just a second. So break down the traditional finance thing, because you said uh, something really important. Unelected political officials are controlling your money. We don't we don't really think there's like some giant conspiracy or anything. Um, so why is that an issue that these people specifically are the ones that are controlling the central banking system, which ultimately controls what's in my wallet? Right. So. The American ideal was founded on the fact that like representation of the people, right? Like the whole reason we revolted in the first place was like a tea tax that is laughably small compared to the taxes that were being charged today. I think the founding fathers would have rolled over in their graves. But at the end of the day, like it's important that people that you don't elect control the money, like they can do whatever they want with no consequences. There's nobody to hold them responsible. And you could say, well, Congress can hold them responsible. And, which is technically true, but 
I mean, that's never happened in the history of, of the way that we've done our money. So it's, the organization is called the Fed, but it's a small group of elite people that just arbitrarily make these decisions. And they're all personally enriching themselves from insider information and the rest of us suffer for it. It sounds yeah, like and, a pretty rough situation, you know, and I don't I don't even have to go that deep. Um, the fact that uh, they are unelected officials is enough for me. I, I do actually believe in a representative government. Um, yeah. I, I think that that's the best possible way to do things that we know of right now. And so my you know, we talk about our vote not counting. If, if my vote definitely doesn't count if the person that is controlling everything is the person that I I didn't even get a chance to vote for or against. Right. And then the the thing about, you know, Congress can hold them accountable is the people that they're supposed to be holding accountable are the people printing the money that Congress wants. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. How, like the Fed has the carrot and the stick already. Right. How are Congress? How is Congress supposed to hold them accountable? They have all of the they're holding all the cards. Right. Uh, and the cards look like U.S. dollars. <laughs> yep. No, that's true. hundred percent. And if so, I think the majority of Americans right now, like the last time I looked at um, any kind of popularity polls for I don't care about who's in government, by the way, like Republican or Democrat. Most people think that the government's messed up, right? Like the pandemic showed us that some huge mistakes were made. No one knows what on earth is going on. Like, we just know that these people are in control and they really messed it up in general. You know, like, I think most people could agree with that, regardless of which side you're on. So then you think, okay, Congress and the guys that are in control of money, like you say, they buddy up and they continue to just print as much money to do whatever they want. There's no one to stop them, right? There's no incentive for them to to not inflate our money away and the only thing that we can do, honestly, right now, like in the current political system is vote differently, which I don't want to minimize. I know Paul McNeil is watching right now, and he's a huge proponent of going out and making your vote count. And I think that's important. Like I have a political science degree and I and I agree with that. However, I've come to think that an even more valuable way of voting is with your money. If you want to take power out of Congress's hands, take their money away. You know, they can control the monetary supply. And if we decide not to use their money, that's taking power from them. Yeah. And again, I, I don't think that there's some big conspiracy. Like you said, I, I actually agree with Paul and I've been on Paul's show a couple of times now, I think, uh, or we've done shows together a couple of times and we always kind of end up coming back to that. It's like, no, no, no. I'm not saying like give up all faith or confidence in the government. That's not what I'm saying. No. What yeah. I'm saying is, I'm intuiting this shaky ground like I talked about before. So right. I started to look for answers. Now, if you also are watching and you've intuited that something's a little wonky with the financial system, Bitcoin might be an option that you should look into. Well, I yeah. think it's definitely an option you should look into, but you might actually end up thinking that as well. So how in the world do we crack the egg on Bitcoin is where we're going to kind of head next. Uh, but I think we had a couple more big, uh, I'm going to call them intuitions, right? Those questions that are like, I'm asking mm -hmm. this question and having trouble finding an answer. Is right. Bitcoin potentially an answer to this? Right. No, yeah, that's a great segue. Um, king of the segue, Mr. Pigeon, I love it. Uh, so we've talked about like, you know, being able to arbitrarily inflate your money away. Obviously, we don't control what value the money is given, even though we're expected to like work and get 
this money in exchange, right? So um, the the last question I think that's important before we kind of move on to the next point is, do you care about actually owning your money? Okay, so most of us these days, I would say, don't use physical cash. If you do, even you can open up your wallet right now and take a look at that at that money, and you can ask yourself, "Do I actually own this?" And I would say no. One, because the government can print as much as they want, but two, because governments can just arbitrarily decide to stop using paper money whenever they want. Nigeria announced that, like within the last week or so, that they're just going to stop using physical money to force people to use their digital money. And why is that a problem? Because nobody can control the digital money. You can just add zeros on whatever you like. And I feel like the United States is getting to that to the same place. We're not banning cash yet, but it's very obvious that you don't own the ones and zeros that are in your bank account. And there's no way that you can like, even just withdrawing cash isn't a good solution as we, as we've talked about. Right. So, so what is also, it's also not even secure, like physical money. Yeah, you you have that as long as you have it. Right. But if I'm bigger and stronger than you, or if I have some sort of more advanced uh, arms of of whatever sort, you know, maybe yeah, yeah. it's a knife, maybe it's something more dangerous than that. I can just take that from you. Like you yeah. don't actually, <laughs> your name's not on it, right? If I take yeah. it then it's mine. There's no one it's, to say, yeah, exactly. Or, or even if you lose it, if you misplace that $20 bill or whatever and never find it again, it's gone. It's gone for yeah. forever. Uh, exactly. It's in no way secure whatsoever. Right. So No, that's a great point. And then when we get into alternatives, you know, people say, well, okay, uh, how about gold? You know, and then it's like, oh, well, that's cool. Like I live in an apartment, you know, where am I going to stash like my life savings worth of gold? Then it's like, well, in a bank, you're like, well, now we're right back where we started. You know <laughs> right, what I mean? Right. So all roads so, lead to bank. <laughs> yeah. And we don't want that. So, so um, I, yeah, Nick posted in the chat, he said in code, we trust. And that's actually like an interesting way to say it because um, you know, all of this has sounded really bad, right? Everything that we've talked about, it's like, yes, it's all doom and gloom. Like my money's not worth anything. Yeah. I'm slaving away for 40 hours and, and a week. And next year it's going to be worth substantially less. You know, gold's not a solution. What, give me something. Well, Bitcoin is digital gold. That's based on math that was started by an anonymous person that's disappeared off the map that can't control it. And so the only thing that can control Bitcoin is the math that set it into motion. And I don't know about you, but to me, like, I would much rather trust math than a bunch of unelected political officials. And what a great segue to the next part of our of our talk. <laughs> Thanks, Nick. So with this talk, like we said, we really want to be able to have a conversation that makes you think like you as the viewer should be thinking, oh, man, like what they're saying is true. Like this isn't some conspiracy. Basically, everyone knows what we're talking about to some degree. That's why there's so much dissatisfaction right and so we want to be able to ask these questions and then also present you resources so that based on your level of concern you can go out and start doing some research for yourself and convince yourself that this is the right solution like we just want to especially like i think that you need to buy into this idea for yourself we can also, you know yeah go also if you do a little bit of research and find out that it's not your jam uh present us with some good arguments leave them in the comments or something you got a really important question yeah. that you're like you know i went down this rabbit hole and i really think this let us know we would love to hear that because i'll tell you right now if, if i'm doing something stupid or something wrong i want to know about it immediately so i can yeah. change course and and do the smart thing um yeah. so you know read the stuff see what happens yeah. well said 
Well said. If you leave a good comment and we have a good discussion, odds are you'll probably end up on the show. <laughs> so <laughs> you go ahead and do that. Um, so, but anyway, a great, a, a great place to start your personal research. I think the place to start your personal research about Bitcoin is the Bitcoin white paper. Um, we're going to have the resources in the comments below. And then if you're watching live, Nick has just dropped a link. Um, but Satoshi Nakamoto, um, the synonymous creator of Bitcoin, wrote up this white paper that essentially describes what Bitcoin is. Um, I would highly recommend a read through and I would just caution you that you're not going to understand it on your first read through or your third or your fifth or your tenth. And and if anyone claims to perfectly understand the whole Bitcoin white paper, they're wrong. I'm sorry. Like it's one of those things where it's going to take study through your whole life to be able to understand where it comes to. And Bitcoin has morphed and changed in good and maybe not as good ways since the Bitcoin white paper came out, but it's the place to start. We want you to just get an idea of what the original concept was. Um, so yeah, do so that. A uh, quick question. When you say that Bitcoin has changed, can mm -hmm. you be more specific about that? Yes. And we're going to have to do another episode on this for sure. Okay. okay. Um, <laughs> so because in code, we trust and Bitcoin has changed. Don't logically add up to me. So I'd be oh, curious what exactly you mean. They do. But again, we'd have to have another episode because Bitcoin is decentralized, right? And we've talked about nodes. If you want to go watch our uh, holiday episode that we did, episode eight is called Node to Joy. And it talks about the importance of Bitcoin nodes and what they do in the network. Um, but the cool part about Bitcoin being decentralized is that if enough developers get on board together and they like there's big talks and seminars all over the world, and like, hey, we think that we can improve Bitcoin in this particular way, um, then code can be changed in your own individual node. And if enough Bitcoin nodes end up adopting a particular change, then the change is affected throughout the entire network. But oh, okay. if, if those changes are not accepted, something what's called a hard fork happens where the original chain splits off and continues the way that Bitcoin is. And then an alternate coin such as Bitcoin Cash, Bitcoin Diamond, Bitcoin Gold, Bitcoin Satoshi's Vision, blah, 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 blah. All these fake versions of Bitcoin that people think that they can make better, but that the broader network doesn't actually support, right? Mm -hmm. They branch off and do their own thing. Those aren't the actual Bitcoin. Right. But again, okay, gotcha, gotcha. That's, so, that's a different conversation. <laughs> okay, cool. No, I just, it sounds like... Uh, Bitcoin's not changing in that scenario. People are taking the open source code and creating new types of Bitcoin, which makes anyone feel. So in my head, I'm thinking like, if someone's listening to this, what are they actually experiencing if they don't know anything? And mm -hmm. and that was a big, that would be a red flag for me <laughs> if I was listening and someone said those two things back to back. No, yeah. So that's a great question. That's a great episode idea um, and another great segue. So I would say um, the next resource that I've written down here is uh, Lop.net. Um, so Jameson Lop is an interesting person. Um, there are a lot of interesting people out there. And like anyone, I would say, don't take everything that they say as gospel truth. However, that caveat being said, this is one of the best Bitcoin resource banks that I've found to date. Um, there are a variety of different talks, of articles, walkthroughs, explain it to me like I'm five, explain it to me like I'm an engineer. You know, I want a six hour class about Bitcoin. I want to know more about the history of the Bitcoin upgrades throughout the years. All of that information can be found here on lop.net. 
Um, so if you're curious about any particular facet of Bitcoin, you know, be it a node or like we said, uh, even environmental concerns or economic structure, even art and music related to Bitcoin, you can see here on the screen, there's a ridiculous amount of research that you can do. So until we do another episode that talks about Bitcoin's, um, you know, hard fork history and, and the upgrades that have happened, because there have been several, um, go ahead and dive in there because that's a great place to start. Nice, For nice. Sure. Okay, so I've been, or we actually have been getting into kind of reading some uh, books together, actually. Um, for those of you who don't know, John and I are actually cousins. Uh, so I gifted him a book this uh, holiday season and also bought a copy of that book for myself. This book's called The Book of Five Rings, uh, written by a, a samurai from back in the day. And since I, my thing is the warrior pigeons lately, um, I did that whole samurai style collection of NFTs. Uh, I thought it'd be cool if we delved into that together. And we've actually been really taking it uh, pretty significantly. Uh, there's a lot of really cool stuff in there. Uh, but I think that it would be fun to dive into a little bit more reading specifically. Like what's a book that I can read from start to finish and it essentially tells a story, though nonfiction, right? Um, but connects all the dots and kind of puts a nice little bow on it at the end for me. Um, so what are, I, I just bought this book and this is the big one that everybody always recommends. Uh, sorry, it's called go. the Bitcoin Standard. Uh, super happy to crack this and, and really dive in because I haven't yet. Uh, this is what you would recommend most people start with first as far as books, right? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, yeah, there you go, Nick. Thank you for putting that up there. Um, really affordable <laughs> on Amazon. Copies. Yeah. I mean, I like the hard copy too. Honestly, <laughs> the hard cover is nice, uh, but it is on Kindle, you know, if you're into that. Um, it's, I mean, it's just a really good look at what Bitcoin is and how it fits into this whole question of money, right? Like we started this whole conversation asking, do you care about inflation? Do you care about owning your assets? Do you care about who is in charge of the value of your money? And the Bitcoin standard does a great job of just overviewing all of that in a very easy to understand and an easy to digest way and then presents Bitcoin as a solution. So um, this episode, however, haphazard is much uh, better of a package uh, deal there in the in the Bitcoin standard. So I, I, if I want someone to understand, like one of my best friends of, geez, almost like 20 years now. Um, he, he was asking me what I do for a living. And most of the time when someone asks me what I do for a living, I just say, oh, marketing, like, <laughs> you know, I'm not going to try and explain all this right now. Um, but for him, you know, I was like, no, nah, like we've been friends forever. I want you to understand what I do. And so I sent, I gifted him this book. Um, oh, so cool. yeah, I think, um, if you're, you know, into Bitcoin and you're in an intermediate phase and talking to people about Bitcoin is difficult, um, Go ahead and just start off with this book. Read it for yourself and, and gift it because it's a great option. Um, but yeah, I just want to list off a couple more options. Um, big thanks to Nick, uh, our producer, who gave us this list of options. There's lots more out there, but a couple of the big ones. Um, Bitcoin, The Future of Money by Dominic Frisbee. It's a really good one. That's another. Uh, it's another angle that looks forward uh, with Bitcoin rather than kind of just placing it in the immediate now like the Bitcoin standard does. Um, another good one is the Bitcoin pizza book. Um, and I'm going to butcher these names, so I'm not going to say the author of all of them by Samantha Rudicia, maybe, um, the Bitcoin pizza is a fascinating piece of history. Um, you may, if you've heard of Bitcoin, you may know that someone bought 
two bit two Papa John's pizzas for like ten thousand Bitcoin back in the day, and that's worth like two hundred million dollars now or something crazy like that. Um, it's it's a huge moment in history, and so this book kind of looks at from Bitcoin from that unique perspective. Um, fascinating piece of history. I highly recommend looking into it. Um, and then finally, maybe more of a uh, easier to relate to book is Hey Mom, I Bought Bitcoin um, by Lorenzo Primatera. Um, that one's more of a down to earth, like kids book kind of thing. Um, so if you if you like want to hear about Teach Me Bitcoin like I'm five, right? Like this is a good way to look at that. Um, and I really enjoy this variety of perspectives uh, from the Bitcoin standard all the way down to, hey, mom, I bought a Bitcoin just because it like comes at it from different angles. You know, money, money isn't something that's easily understood. It's something that humans have been struggling with for our entire history, you know, from seashells to those big circle currency things that I can't remember the names of right now, the big humongous stones um, to gold, you know, to now fiat and now Bitcoin. So, uh, yeah, there's there's some good resources for you to dive in. Oh, it's such a deep rabbit hole. I love that about Bitcoin is that I always find some new crevice that I haven't explored. And right now it's not just crevices. It's like full caverns. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I always get to like dive a little bit deeper every, every episode, you know, obviously I do research and stuff on, uh, you know, aside from this, but uh, this is so much fun. So uh, the next thing that I kind of want to move us on to is, you know, so there's all these resources, right? But let's say I've looked into it enough to go, okay, I'm interested. And I don't think it would be a bad idea to take X number of dollars, whatever I have that's expendable and purchase some Bitcoin, see what that's like, how it makes me feel, uh, where I want to go from there. Um, how do you normally start people off in that conversation? On like how to buy a Bitcoin? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, the start obviously is some context. Like I want people to understand what they're getting into, right? Like, so we've set that with this conversation. Mm -hmm. um, so then practically speaking, it's it's all about, I guess, the person's level of aptitude, right? For okay. technology in one sense. Because if you're really savvy, you know, like uh, you, you're good with using a smartphone, you're good with using apps and stuff like that. Um, I would recommend something like, uh, I mean, Roundly X, honestly, is a great way to start. You can set up a Coinbase connection with them. Like Coinbase is the biggest exchange. So that's that's probably a go-to. Um, and that way it's, you're just rounding up your purchases, right? You don't have to really think about it. You just get set up. It's just like Acorns kind of just rounds up your spare change and then puts it into whatever you, you want. Um, and I'm not going to pull this up right now. I, th I talked about maybe doing the screen share. Um, well, you know what? Maybe I will do a screen share. Let's just take a second and do this because I want to visualize what dollar cost averaging looks like real quick just so that you can go think ahead. about this. Go ahead yeah. and get that pulled up. I, I do want to go ahead and mention that one of the other big first things is a caveat that uh, you should be careful. Uh, anytime that there's something to do with money, there are going to be scammers and yeah. people who are evil and all of that stuff. Bitcoin does not eliminate evil from the planet. Uh, so keep that in mind as you're doing your research. Make sure you know what you're doing uh, as you're doing it and and read and prepare for at least some of those hard lessons to be learned where this goes missing or you accidentally 
you don't realize that maybe somebody has a, a disposable Bitcoin address that only lasts for a week. And so you right. accidentally send them $200 and then that gets lost into the ether while you're at your pharmaceutical job. And then you have to freak out about it for the rest of the day because you don't make that much money and right. you don't want to just throw $200 at the ether. Those mistakes uh, have happened. Uh, that was just a hypothetical, but. <laughs> uh, thanks for pulling that up, Nick. I appreciate it. So yeah, no, I um, I think that's a great caveat. And I do want to pause there for a half a second and just say Bitcoin is is about not having to trust people. Like we say Bitcoin is all about trust. And what we mean is that you don't have to trust an unelected official that Bitcoin isn't going to inflate like crazy. You don't have to trust a bank that they're going to use a fractional reserve and your cash isn't going to be available. You don't have to trust that, you know, X, Y, Z. You can say that like, this is my Bitcoin. I'm doing this for myself. And so just think about that when you're doing Bitcoin stuff, like double check your addresses, you know, whenever you're in, involving another person with Bitcoin, if, if it's sending or buying, like eliminate as much trust from that scenario as you can verify as much information as possible because there are tons of scammers out there, just like there are with physical cash. You know, there's Nigerian princes in your email that are trying to like yeah. steal your banking information. There are like, I actually just had a scam at my work where someone emailed my boss and wanted to change my direct deposit information. Right. Like there's scams everywhere. And that doesn't like Bitcoin is just as much of a, of a scam potential as anything else. So come at it with both eyes open. Um, it's a good reminder. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, but with uh, going back to our the whole round the, round the X conversation, when I tell people round up your spare change, they're like, yeah, but that's just like spare change. That doesn't really get me anywhere. Right. Like I, I want to like make big money. I want to make retirement. Um, and like I said, at the beginning of the episode, Randley X actually did help me pay off my Subaru. Um, I was unemployed and I had been using Randley X for about two years, um, just rounding up my purchases. So Nick, if you wouldn't mind just inputting this real quick and then blowing it up so that we, yeah, there you go. Perfect. So put $25 um, in the first box and then we're going to do Bitcoin and then change weekly over to monthly for me. Um, and then put the date as, uh, let's do, let's go back to 2017, um, because that's when most people were hearing about Bitcoin. That was the previous top. Um, so if you click on the, the arrows there, yep. And just go back to, uh, 2017 and then, yeah, we're in October, just pick a random day. It doesn't matter. Um, and then hit bump. Okay. So this is going to show us what it looked like if you started saving Bitcoin in 2017 at the previous market top, right? $25 a month. Uh, if you had just been saving cash that way, you would have saved about $2,400. But if you had been saving Bitcoin, you would have saved about $2,500, which is about 56% more than if you had just held cash that entire time. And if you scroll down a bit, you can see the chart there. Obviously, wild fluctuations. So you could have cashed out at any point if you wanted to. But even if you didn't cash out, you would be saving more money over the long term with just spare change. Um, and the average Roundly X user rounds up $25 of Bitcoin per month. So it's a pretty powerful savings mechanism. Um, but that being said, if you would like more of a, uh, you know, a hands-on way of like, I want to buy Bitcoin, like when I want to buy it, right? So Coinbase might be a good option for you. Um, but with Coinbase, like while they used to be a good starting place, they have high fees. They offer tons and tons and tons of different cryptocurrencies that honestly, I think they shouldn't offer. They offer cryptos that literally just came out like within weeks. And I don't think that they've done a good job about protecting their user base in that regard. 
Um, so that being said, I really like the app Strike. Like Lightning Strike is just, um, it's all it focuses on is Bitcoin. They have a really unique um, business model that allows them to sell Bitcoin to customers for free. So um, if you're just a normal retail user like me and Pigeon, you can go in and you can just buy Bitcoin with no fees whatsoever. Um, and I personally want to make sure that I'm buying Bitcoin every single day because I like hitting Bitcoin at that right price, right? Like people worry all the time about buying too high or, you know, waiting for the dip. Well, if you're buying every single day, you don't have to worry about that. So, yeah. um, you know, no fees is nice. Uh, and then it's really easy to just withdraw that Bitcoin into more of a self-custody solution, um, which we can talk about in terms of ownership next. Yeah. So, so Coinbase is kind of like what you would recommend to say your parents or somebody who, yeah. because their, their onboarding process is very well streamlined. That's something that they do fantastic at, yes. in my opinion. So Agreed. even if, you know, me and John kind of have some issues with how the exchanges actually run and all of this complicated stuff. Um, it's still like a nice, easy solution to get somebody started. And then once you have some Bitcoin, you can then teach that person how to pull that off the exchange into a more, uh, secure self-custody situation um, sure. whereas strike is a really good option for say you have a sibling who's pretty good with tech and and will understand it in general that's probably the direction to go um, i just yep. want to make that distinction because that's what i'm thinking yeah. about 100 percent. i would say coinbase is kind of like um i don't know like fidelity for stock accounts right like it's mm -hmm. uh you can go to your parents and say like yo you use charles schwab right like coinbase is pretty much the same thing they charge higher fees for like a more convenient experience more or less whereas like you know your younger brother is probably going to go with like um you know robin hood or something like that and so like that's a great comparison yeah okay cool cool so uh talk to me about ownership and self-custody yeah so this is a great way to wrap up the episode um ownership was the last thing that we talked about when we were asking questions about your money. Like, and I think that it doesn't take a lot of imagination to realize that you don't actually own your dollars, right? The U S dollars, either in your bank account or the cash that you hold, it can either be confiscated or, you know, if you don't know what fractional reserve banking is, that's not something that's a Bitcoin concept. That's a dollars concept. Look that up. That pretty much just means that, your bank doesn't have to hold a one-to-one -one value for the amount of money that they say that they hold. So if you deposit $100 and the bank has a 30% fractional reserve, they only have to hold $30 in the bank. And it that's, sucks, but that's the way that it is, you know? Wasn't wasn't fractional reserve a big part of the uh, contribution to the crash in the Great Depression? Correct. And that's a great, that's a great comparison. It's something that I'm concerned about we might run into again is people just kind of started realizing that, oh, snap, like the government doesn't actually have my money and I need to go try and get it all out before everyone else goes and gets it all out. And so that's called a bank run, right? The people want more money. They want all their money back, but the bank only has a certain percentage. Um, so if you're concerned about that in the near future, maybe Bitcoin's a good solution. That right? is because, absolutely mental that that is the yeah. way that it works. <laughs> yeah, it is. I know. I mean, when I started realizing that myself, that's when I was like, I got to find something else because I mean, okay, as a millennial, if you're a millennial listening to this, do you honestly believe that social security is going to be around for you? Like, no, of course not. There's no way that that sort of benefit can survive. I mean, they've said as much at this point. So what are we going to retire off of? You know, are you going to say, you're going to tell me stocks? You're going to say that the stock market is going to be good by the time you're ready to retire. I don't feel good about that. 
So that's why I Bitcoin. So anyway, that's that's a rant. Self custody, <laughs> actually actually owning your Bitcoin. So what's really cool about Bitcoin is that since it's built on math, you can have this thing that's called a wallet, which is pretty much your own personal safe, right? And just like with a safe, there is a special combination or a key that gets that allows access to that wallet. And yes, if you lose access to that key, it's gone. Imagine the most sophisticated safe you can possibly have where if that code is gone, like there's no one that can weld it open. There's no one that can like break into it. It's just that money is locked up forever. And if you're like me and you're a little crazy, the first thing that you think of is, well, hey, that's some Bitcoin that's taken off of the market forever and guarantees that there's less supply. So maybe it'll be worth more one day. Who knows? But, um, you know, I think that self-custody isn't something to be taken lightly. And I want to be serious about that because I've introduced some people to Bitcoin where they weren't ready to take control of their own money. Honestly, they weren't responsible enough to understand that it's up to them to secure their money. They're more comfortable with a bank or with a third party like Coinbase holding on to that for them. But the ugly side of that that we saw a lot of in 2022 is that if you trust a third party company, they could go bankrupt. They could lose all of your money. So if you don't want to trust a third party and you don't want to trust a government, the solution is to trust yourself. And that's where Bitcoin wallets come in. So two Bitcoin wallets that I'd like you to look into if you're watching this show um, are Blue Wallet. So that's just an app on your phone, but it actually allows you to take complete control of your Bitcoin. They have really great integrations with Bitcoin nodes, with the Lightning Network, all of which you can do more research on. But this will require you to write down a private seed, which you have to store, that allows access to your Bitcoin. The private seed is the key to your safe. And if you lose that, your Bitcoin is gone, right? So just be aware that self-custody is an amazing thing, but it comes with huge responsibility, right? I would just want to, it's a serious thing. I don't want people to be losing their money. Um, but it's a really powerful thing, right? I I have good security. And if you do research into storing your private seeds correctly, you can print it on steel plates that you can like store in a fireproof safe kind of thing uh, as one random option that you could look into. But it's much more powerful storing your money than trusting a bank. Um, and then another alternative. So Blue Wallet is an app. Like I said, you can write down your private seed. Um, that's great. But another option is called hardware wallets. So I would recommend just starting with a Ledger wallet. Um, Ledger has been around for a long time. Uh, they have had some email breaches, uh, but that, they haven't had any major issues uh, with their actual hardware wallets. Um, this is something it's like a USB stick for storing your Bitcoin, more or less. And in a similar way, it, it does have a private seed. You know, you can lose that, um, but it provides better security in, in the actual encryption of the device itself. Um, mm. So both of those are really good options. There's like a soft option and a hard option, right? Um, both are worth looking into. Totally agree. Totally agree. Yeah. Um, cool. Well, so uh, there was another basic that we kind of wanted to cover, but before we move on, um, I feel like that's enough to get people started. If you're asking these questions, if you're if you're going, you know, I don't know about this. This seems a little shaky to me for whatever reason, and you're kind of looking for a solution. And maybe you've heard about Bitcoin and, and want to look into that a little bit. These are all fantastic resources. This is where pretty much everybody starts, uh, regardless of uh, traditional finance knowledge, uh, whether they have that unlock or not. This is the place to start with Bitcoin. Go ahead and buy some Bitcoin. See what that's like. 
learn how to store Bitcoin properly and start small and then figure it out along the way. Uh, the Bitcoin community is generally pretty freaking helpful um, because we are all about it and we want to help people get involved in the right way. Uh, so I, I very rarely see somebody ask a question and somebody respond with, oh, my God, you're an idiot. How could you not know how to do this? Um, whereas, you know, people tell me that all the time when I don't know how to file my own insurance claims. So Bitcoin's much more accepting that way because we want you here. We want you to be involved. We want you to be able to protect your own money. We actually care enough to do a whole show about it and come up with these things on a regular basis to try and teach people and, and help pull people into this uh, because adoption is going to help a lot as well. Um, anything other than that to add, John? No, no, I think that's great. Um, I would just like to point out the fact that we focused on Bitcoin on this episode because I legitimately and firmly believe that if you're getting into the cryptocurrency space, you need to start with Bitcoin. One thing that's really unique about Bitcoin that I didn't specifically point out is that it doesn't have a CEO. It doesn't have a company. It doesn't have anyone that's backing it or running it. Literally, it was started in 2008 by some anonymous person or people that may be dead by now. We don't, we don't know who they are, but even if they are still alive, they can do nothing to stop Bitcoin. And if you think about all of the chains that you've heard about, any cryptocurrency scams that you've heard about, they do have a CEO. They do have someone that governments can go after to take them down. There is a third party with like, you know, um, servers that can be hacked or like breached. And just, I encourage you to start with Bitcoin because Bitcoin is going to be around forever. There is no other Bitcoin. If someone's telling you there's another Bitcoin, I guarantee that they haven't done enough research and that they're scamming you and they're probably scamming themselves. Speaking from my own experience. So start with Bitcoin. You know, there are lots of awesome other technologies out there. Um, and there are lots of people out there that will tell you that Bitcoin is the only thing that you should stick with. And they'll get kind of mean about it. If you yeah. want to get into more things than Bitcoin, hey, there's an awesome show called Gingerly that will teach you lots of awesome stuff other than Bitcoin. But um, there are also people that will get really mean and be like, no, if you're into anything other than Bitcoin, you're a terrible person. I mean, they can say that if they want, but there's lots of other cool things that we want to highlight. And so that being said, Gingerly episode 10 will be coming out in two weeks. And we're going to be talking about the future and understanding the risks of NFT addictions. <laughs> well, you want to tell us a little bit about that, Pigeon? Yeah, so this actually came about because uh, John and I were just kind of pitching some ideas back and forth, and uh, we we wanted to kind of bridge the gap between Bitcoin, because as you've heard in this episode, Bitcoin's pretty straightforward. If you have some doubt about the current system, look into other options, right? That's, that's pretty easy, uh, and here's how to go about doing it. But then we make this big leap to what we call Web3, uh, which actually we did an episode about uh, – you know, what web is web one, three? two and three yeah it's called what is web three so go check that one out too if you're interested uh or even if you're not view it anyway uh so <laughs> when we make that gap it's it's this weird transition from something that seems really stable and interesting to something that's uh vastly more complex in its and cutting applications edge and, and like not completely fleshed out yeah 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 so uh John was kind of curious how I make that leap uh, because I am still new to the space. And I think that I'm just going to lay it out for you because I, I never answered the question. Um, 
or well, I answered the question, but what I said was Bitcoin equals Web3 finance and everything else equals Web3 anything else. So and it, it's a weird like equation in my head, right? Bitcoin solves the money problem, the financial issue via decentralization and security. It's a combination of both. And, it, and then it, I think it solves our, a lot of our money issues. But money is not the only issue that we have. So Web3 to me really asks the question, how can we take the blockchain technology that, and decentralization principles that we see in Bitcoin and apply them to other issues that we have in our societies and in our culture and in our infrastructures uh, to vastly change the way that society operates. And that's part of the problem, right? Is it, is it vastly changes it. If, yeah. if it was a nice, if there was some nice in-between step, I would love to hear about that. Uh, and that's, I, I think that's why we see so many more centralized web three stuff out there right now is because we need a, a step up. We're trying to figure out that step to get to there. Yeah. yeah. Um, but once that becomes decentralized, I think it's a very easy movement from, okay, we decentralized money and made it about code and not about uh, central banking. And this happened. Okay. What happens if we do that same thing with, uh, let's say uh, supply chain management or something like that. How do we how do we decentralize or automate supply chain management that in a way that it becomes super simple? Right. Right. And Where, this is why we needed a whole episode to just to talk about this particular topic. Right. Yeah. So, <laughs> so so I think they go hand in hand ultimately. Um, and I just wanted to mention or tease out a little bit about how yeah. we get there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, I mean, I'm really looking forward to that conversation because like I, I, for me, I say all the time, I have the curse of knowledge. I've been around Bitcoin for a long time and I and I hear these Bitcoin maximalists, you know, being like, wow, you, you can only Bitcoin. And I want to know how we go from beginning in Bitcoin to like Web3. And we're going to be talking about that in episode 10. Like, I'm really excited about it. So, um, yeah, with that. I really hope that uh, this has been helpful. I hope that if you're watching, you're rip rare and to go uh, buy a bit of Bitcoin. And if you're not ready to buy, don't forget you can sign up to Roundly X with code Gingerly, the name of our show. And after your first roundup, you'll get $4 of free Bitcoin. So get a little skin in the game. Um, and with that, it's been a pleasure. Mr. Pigeon, happy new year. And uh, we'll be seeing y'all in episode 10 soon. Happy new year. See you then. Peace out. <laughs>